Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, Episode 98, and I'm your host, Nick Ortego. Food at an elementary school was going to waste. Now it's going home with needy children. And a principal installs a laundry room to fight student bullying. Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, how a Florida teacher transformed a remedial reading course with a socially relevant reading program. Hello, everybody. Nick Ortego here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lissa, how are you doing? I am great. How is school going? How are the parents? We are nearing the end. Are the parents great? polite. Uh, you know, it's so funny. At this time of year, everybody's ready for it to be over. Like, yeah. you always hear, like, these funny memes of teachers, like, counting down the day or whatever. Right. But really, the parents are ready, too. They're so tired of making their child's lunch. They're so tired of having to sign that reading log. You know, they're just... Do you have Aunt Becky's at your school? Oh, my gosh. You know what yes. I mean? Lor- Lor- yes. Is it Lori Laughlin? I don't know. I just call her Aunt yeah. Becky. Yeah. <laughs> which my sister is named Becky and she really hates and that she, there's yeah, this Aunt really Becky funny. thing going around. Yeah, I know. She's totally, <laughs> Aunt Becky has, is like, it's like naming your child Katrina. Sorry, yes. Katrina's out there. But yeah, you're like, I will it. say though, that's a pretty name, but there are those parents at my school, but my administrator does a phenomenal job of treating everybody the same. I have worked at a school or a couple of schools before where, it depends on who you are. If oh, you're really? allowed to cut into car line from the wrong direction that you're not allowed to go on, or, yeah, no, or if you're allowed that. to bring in food from outside in a yeah. you know, in a Chick-fil-A bag that's not allowed. There are schools that, that the administrator turns a blind eye to some of those moms. Yeah. But not at my school. That's good. Uh, our administrator, I mean, he he really he's so friendly and so funny. Yeah. But don't even try to get in a small talk conversation with him because he's going to be like, oh, I got to go. You know, and he he treats everybody the same. So they follow the rules at our school. Hey, fun, I don't have the actual stat, but I heard, and hopefully school status won't be mad at me for saying this, but apparently your district is like the number one district per capita in using school status. And they're like, like, Whoa, like this is awesome. Like, what, what are they doing? And like, you know, why such engagement? Um, so, Well, I mean, I think it comes from the top. I know at my school... I nor I like to send out like I make a goal, a personal goal for myself to send out three positive emails a week. That's good. Because you know there's gonna be a negative. So at least you feel like you're not just complaining, you know. Right. Um, and I always get the most positive emails back. Right. So it's just a win win. Even if it's like thanks for the feedback. Absolutely. But yeah. our school, my my administrator does challenge us. He, you know, he he is checking to see that we're engaging with our parents. That's good. So, I, I mean, we're just one small school in the district, but still, um, I, I do know that we have a huge number of outreach. Yeah. I have a lot of, we have a lot of feel-good stuff in this episode. Good. It was a few episodes what back. the world needs now. I think the, the, a couple episodes back, we, it was kind of heavy. It was important, yeah. but it was kind of heavy. Yeah. Today, let's kick it off. Let's jump into the teacher's lounge. What do you know? 
Okay, this is so cool. And there's lots of things I've heard before of like different community organizations doing things like where they'll say, hey, we're going to take the leftovers from our wedding and go donate it, you know, Mm -hmm. to the homeless or whatever. Yeah. But what is so cool to me is Woodland Elementary School in Elkhart, Indiana. Yes. Um, They have started a program, a pilot program with 20 students using the nonprofit organization Cultivate um, to send home frozen meals in a backpack that really is like a cooler backpack. Yeah, yeah I understand. Almost like one of those um, freezer bags you get at yeah, the grocery store Yeah, it's like a freezer backpack, yeah. yeah. And so they've sent sending home these frozen meals from their school leftovers from lunch and breakfast, home for the weekend, the, the, the overage. That's cool. And um, so to do, feed so, some students that, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, sorry. to feed some students that um, are struggling. So like, all right, so somebody finishes, like they finished serving lunch or breakfast and we're talking about like food that just never even got handed out. That's right. Like it's still behind the, the lunch line. Yeah. And they're just probably popping that in the freezer because it might be Tuesday that they're doing this. It might be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Friday, they're shipping it out. Well, the way Cultivate is doing, this is a, this is a nonprofit organization that comes to the school, gets the leftovers, okay. takes it and puts it distributes it and packages it and freezes it and then brings it back Friday to go home in backpacks. So each child gets like eight meals over the weekend. This just makes complete sense. And we know that there's already a lot of um, backpack buddy type things. Right. And usually it's it's the non-perishable stuff, you know, the, mm-hmm. the mac and cheese and the canned goods right. and stuff like that and the bars and everything, which is fantastic. But this is smart because rather than like we already have food, we already bought some. Let's not throw it out and save Absolutely. the trash. And they say that, like, even the cafeteria workers, like, they know their hungry students. Like, they know which ones are just there for the meal and have waited for that moment all day. And so they know that they don't often eat in the evenings. Right. Um, so they're feeding them breakfast and lunch. And, and they say that it's, it's hard. It's hard not to try to give them more, and now they can. Um one of the cool things about this Cultivate um, organization is that some of their food, they get do- they take donations from different events around town. Okay, so it's not just like the elementary school. No, yeah. they, they do this already. It's a nonprofit. They do this already for the community. And like some of their food comes from like the University of Notre Dame. Right. And like different huge events, um, yeah. you know, cater, th- people that cater to large events and then just have major overages. And then they come pick it up, take it, you know, repurpose. Notre Dame probably makes good, um, trying to think of a good Irish food. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, the potatoes? What's the, yeah, what's the potatoes <laughs> with the, uh, the ground beef? And um, what do you call that one? Help me out. Shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. That's probably what <laughs> they're serving. Whatever. My over school at Notre Dame. makes a great shepherd's pie. Yeah. That's what my Nobody son was saying like the other day. He's like, shepherd's pie is so good. But I've tried to make shepherd's pie, and it's not the same. Really? As the school. You feel like the schools is better? Yeah. And let me tell you, my school's Thanksgiving feast, the turkey and dressing. Yeah. It's really good. Really? And they'll let you pie it from them. Like if you place the order <laughs> ahead of time, it is so good. It's like the old school kind where the turkey is in the dressing. Yeah. It's all Or like mine used to be like, it was like a ball of dressing and then like the turkey like wrapped around the ball. Did that happen? Does that not happen? I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why yours is better. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I made a, uh, a healthy shepherd's pie the other day where I used ground turkey instead of beef and then sweet potatoes. 
instead of mashed potatoes. Cool story, bro. Yeah, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> well, okay. So this this group, do we know like cultivate? Are they a thousand people? Are they a hundred people? Are they five people? Like, does this seem like a big organization? Do we know? I don't know. I, I know that it was started by Jim Conklin and a local chef, Randy Zilakowski. Yeah, Zilakowski. Yeah. Um, and it was founded in 2016. So Okay, so they've been around for a little while, yeah. and, and now they're and expanding. I think, and I do know that there are lots of, especially in larger areas, they have these kind of outreach. The main thing about this story is that the school district approached them and uh-huh. said, we want you to help us with this. Right. You know, so if you live in an area that you have a nonprofit that repurposes food, mm-hmm. you know, then you, you need to reach out and they, they all well, come help and you. And again, the takeaway for me is that, that what's fresh about this, fresh, get it, um, <laughs> what's fresh about this is the fact that it's food that is already going to be served. Like, it's not like we're going to Sam's. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like they aren't going to Sam's and buying a bunch of stuff. Yeah, it was already in the school budget. Yeah, this was right. already budgeted. Well, and it's going to get thrown students. in the trash. And, right. I, and I hate to see that. Like, I hate mm-hmm. throwing stuff away at my house. Like, I'm, I'm like the leftover king. Like, I'm always like, all right, I can take this leftover and this leftover and make this because I just don't like to throw stuff out. But, yeah. but you end up doing it and you feel horrible. Yeah. So I like it. Kudos to them. All right. So you had a feel-good story. Here's mine. Um, a New Jersey high school principal is installing a laundry room. He has taken over part of the um, football locker room, and he has put in several washers and dryers and detergent because they had kids at their school who were being bullied because of the way their clothes smelled because they didn't have a place to wash their clothes or didn't have enough outfits to cycle through or, or for whatever reason. And so this principal, this is the best part. He shows up two weeks ago. And he realizes that this is happening. In fact, they even had one student, they were doing a, a bag check. They do bag checks at their school. And one girl was like, you're not checking my bag. And she was about to get in big trouble until they realized the reason that they wouldn't, um, she didn't want to check the bag is because it was full of dirty clothes. Mm-hmm. And she was embarrassed about it. And so this was something that was apparently somewhat widespread in this district. And he's like, you know what? We're taking over part of the football locker room. We're putting in washers and dryers. And they're actually going to even have them available like three days a week through the summertime and then every day during the regular school year. So I don't know. What's your take on that? I think it's awesome. It is awesome. And there, I I can say that there are schools all across the nation that have a washer and dryer and they are washing some student. Like I know at my school, I know exactly whose clothes, you know, I feel like are probably, they're trying to help out. You think like a teacher's like, we can do that, you know, bring your dirty clothes here, we'll help you out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's good. That's good to hear. I wonder, um, I mean, we should hear more about that because it's a good idea. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, the only reason I know this too is because they asked for, I have older boys and they asked for my son's clothes to hand down right. to some students that needed some extra clothes because sometimes it's not the issue of being able to wash it at school is that you don't have something else to put the child in right. when you're washing that. And sometimes we do ask for parents to send send us all of your clothes and we'll wash all of them for you. Right. But they don't have anything else to send. Like right. what they're wearing is what they wear, you right. know? So, um, but I think this is wonderful. I think especially making it available through the summer and or, and or on weekends and, you know, right. like, 
How nice. Well, and the know? community seems to be getting it behind it. You know, they're obviously bringing detergent yeah. and donating that. But, but what I really just loved about this, too, was the fact that this principal has been on the job for two weeks. And it's, yeah. it's that type of leadership where somebody comes in. I know this seems small. But it's that type of leadership where someone comes in, sees a problem, and quickly finds a solution. Yes. And a solution that's the right thing to do. Right. Um, now, I mean, I'm sure you're still going to have some challenges of, you know, getting people to access it. But the news was there. This was in, you know, WABC. This is a New York news station. And the video they were shooting were showing kids, like, actively using these units mm-hmm. uh, to wash their clothes. And, and I think people appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably fun, you know? I mean, I remember when I first taught my boys how to do laundry, they're like, we're so excited to get to do it, you know? So it's like... Isn't that funny? It's like, oh, we should have taught you sooner. Yes. (laughs) How to to do laundry. Are you ready for the uh, bright idea? Yes. Our guest in today's Brad Idea segment is a high school teacher in Gainesville, Florida. Amanda Lacey was assigned to teach intensive reading to juniors and seniors who had failed the state test as 10th graders. It was quite the challenge, and she took it head on and transformed the curriculum with a socially relevant reading program. Amanda, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thank you. This was really interesting to me as I kind of read through through what you wrote. Like You um, were, I guess, assigned to take on uh, these students who, who were really struggling in reading. Why do you think you were given that assignment? Um, wow. I, you know, I think it was probably one of the reasons was it was kind of my turn. It's not a very popular position. It was a difficult job. You know, the kids, it's sort of like going to the dentist. You know, like the kids are embarrassed to be in reading. They don't like to go. And uh, teacher evaluations are linked to student So to have a whole class of kids that are struggling on the test that you're going to be evaluating on, it's just not a very attractive position for teachers. Um, I had, I loved my job. I had a good relationship with the kids as an English teacher. So I think they were hoping that um, I, I wouldn't mind it too much. If I'm hearing you right, you weren't super excited about taking on this course. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. I thought they made a mistake. I was hoping they made a mistake. Uh, I went to the principal's office. I said, oh, you wrote the wrong thing down on this paper. <laughs> right. It, it, do you remember what how the re- principal responded to that? Um. Yeah. He said, no, I didn't. Uh, I, you're going to teach reading le- next year. Let's go look at the room. And um, I'd been a teacher there for many years. I knew where the room was. Um, and they, they just were hoping it would be a good fit. Um, and they were right but initially I thought I would just teach it for a year and you can in Florida you can only teach for two years out of field so I just thought I wouldn't get my reading certification and I would just go back to English how quickly did you realize that you're gonna have to make a big change did you know that before you even walked into the door no, I didn't. Um, they'd been uh, using Read 180. It's a it's a program. If you're a reading teacher, you're kind of familiar with it. And before that, it was Jamestown Reader. Um, they're just sort of books with high interest uh, stories that are easy to read. And I just, the first two or three weeks, we were using them. And I mean, I didn't even think they were interesting right that was that was obvious right right it's a big red flag if if i'm not really interested in reading what i'm about to teach um but i mean i just could see the kids just not just not engaging at all with the stories and it's different when you teach literature 
there's sometimes a little bit of reluctance, but there's a lot of transcendent qualities about some of the stories we teach that can pull the students in. Um, and they just didn't have that in these like high interest, low readability stories that they wanted us to use. And so if I understand what you did, I guess before you made any big changes, you kind of surveyed the students with a list of questions. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and they, you know, what are you interested in? What do you care about? What's on your mind? What are you, you know, and I mean, there were some things that were sort of universal or po- like, you know, a lot of kids were interested in sports that age. Um, you know, maybe it's college football, maybe it's pro football. Some people had an opinion about that. Uh, a lot of, you know, then I have some kids that were in our culinary magnet that were interested in cooking and stories about food and stories about food in other cultures. So, I mean, there are worse and some are interested in uh, military stuff, military stories, stories about soldiers. So I, I just, I, you know, keep a list of different classes and look at what was, you know, crossing over in each class. But I still would try to rep, like look at the students who maybe didn't weren't represented in a lot of areas. And I would pull things I thought that they would like to, and they, they acknowledge that they could see that. I would say, Hey, I, you said, you know, you said you're interested in cooking and I thought we could read this in class. And they would say, what you would do that for me. You no, know, that's really so, cool. Yeah. And so did you use that information? I, of course, you know, to educate yourself about what they're interested in, but did you use it to then bring it to your principal? Like how did that happen to say, we need to do something different here? Um, well, I think because the fact that not a lot of people wanted that job, they were pretty happy that I was taking an interest in trying to make it better. And my, my administration has been really supportive over the years. If I say, Hey, I have this idea. I want to try it. They said, okay, do it. Um, let's see how it works. So, uh, you know, I just, started talking to them about using other stuff and they they said well as long as they're reading you know what does it matter it should be fine um so they they gave me the green light just to sort of just to encourage me but I'm, I'm not sure if they thought it would work as well as they did but they also wanted me to have the freedom to do what i think that the students want well and from what it sounds like so you were about to give the students the the opportunity to, to read things that they're interested in but but you did it in a pretty structured way right you, you had like a weekly schedule yes definitely and that's important um and i just knew i was i was i i knew from my experience as a teacher that you know for me in my classroom for the students in my classroom structure works really well to, to have an expectation on Mondays, this is what we do on Tuesday. There's also the, um, a lot of the population, they're, they're, they're transient, they're moving, they're going to other schools, they're coming back. There's a lot of absences. So it's easier to, to just say, oh, remember, tu- you know, Tuesday, we're doing discussions. So here's the questions you need to do these at home. So it, it just helps. Yeah, and I might be putting you on the spot to to recite some of the schedules. So, so let me know if I am, and I, I can help you out there with what I have in front of me. But but like you know, tell me like what Monday was. Monday, and tell me if I if, if I have something different. Uh, Monday, we're usually in the lab. Uh, we're reading um, the New York Times or the Washington Post, and you know, I'm just like read what you want, read what's interesting, and. Uh, those days I kind of walk around, I see what they're reading. 
I talked to them about what they're reading or what was going on in their weekends. And so, um, that's what Monday looks like. Right. So, so, so you're into the week. Right. And you're, and you're actually using, I guess, current events. It was kind of the assignment, right? And so as you kind of go through the week, did you, was it always current events or did you like cycle into different types of reading? Um, you know, it, it would, it would be a little bit flexible. Usually we were in the lab. Sometimes there was, well, for instance, in my class a few weeks ago, I said, Hey, I want everyone to read an article about the fire in Notre Dame and we're going to talk about it. So I'll, I'll sort of give a, a topic that I want them to, but I'll still let them, you know, there, there are many articles in the New York times about the fire um, and on the Washington post. So people write different things. Sometimes I would do an um, an excerpt from a novel or something if the lab was not available. Often testing, we lose the lab. So I, I would just pull something or I'd just print an article. Um, but usually it's um, – I like them to have the choice. That's a huge part of it. When you're talking about 16, 17, 18-year-old students who are reluctant to read, choice is so huge. And adult literacy, like – you and I, when we sit down, we're going to read what we want from a paper, you know. You actually provided them what you called a few minutes of me. Can you tell me about that? Oh, yeah. So um, this is something, um, it's it's something that was inspired from Kelly Gallagher. And I don't remember the exact assignment that he does. It's It's sort of a response to reading. And so I took it and I... I changed it a little bit for the class, but they bring in something that they've read that they want to share with the class. And again, it's trying to give choice in reading and make it, um, you know, sort of enrich our classroom community. So said anything that, that means something to you. So I've had students bring passages from the Bible. I've had students bring, um, one student wrote a letter that his older sister wrote him before going to college. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really sweet. Was it was it uh, read in front of the class, like almost yeah, like open mic night, yeah. I guess? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's sort of like that. Um, another student um, did like a slam poetry thing. We're talking about open night, a poem that she wrote. And she, she read it and this student that I'm thinking of, she actually started with her back to the class because she was so, she was nervous and she didn't want to do it. And by the time it was over, she turned around and everyone was cheering and hollering and, you know, encouraging her to go on. It, um, I read that you had one student that actually did one about how to create the perfect brow arch, like eyebrow yes. arch, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she did. And, um, she demonstrated on me and she, we talked about it before, but she did that. Um, there, there have been, um, a few students who've come in with tutorials, um, and then they have to write part of it. Then they'll, they'll write something that they're sharing, um, how to apply your eyeshadow, how to have the perfect waves in your hair, the process to create good waves. Um, which is really interesting and very educational for us. So, I mean, yeah, and people just, then they just get so excited about sharing. They ask if we can do another one because they have something else they want to share with the class. Um, some will do praise songs from church and they ask everyone to sing along with them. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's it's mostly 
really great. It's mostly awesome, but I have had classes where it's just been a dud. Like people bring in stuff and they read straight from the paper. And I guess it's like that in the professional world too. I mean, sometimes you get in front of a room and it and it falls flat. So there's probably a lesson to be learned there as well. You you have these students who they they really were not performing well in terms of, of reading. They were they were doing poorly on the test. I mean, when you start seeing them get excited about reading content, I mean, how rewarding is that for you? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's it's the reason I decided to get certified in reading because it it's just it's fun. It's it's exciting, it's fun, it's interesting. Uh students will email me links to things they're reading on ho- at home, not even as an assignment. Hey, can we discuss this in class? You started this how long ago? Was this years and years ago? Well, probably about five years ago. And it was not something I sat down and it was perfect right away. It took three or four years to, to tweak it. Um, lab days on Monday, for instance, it's a Monday is a high absence day with students. And it was, you know, like, students would miss the discussion. It was difficult to, to really have them get what they needed to from the discussion if they weren't there. Um, so that's why I made it sort of an independent reading day on Monday. What, what type of results have you seen? And, and when did you start to see those? Um, you know, probably, probably around four, four years ago, three years ago, uh, there was a year we had a hundred percent, every single student pass their reading exam. Wow. And it was unprecedented. Um, and after that happened one time, it changed the tenure of the class, like the inspiration, like the success was very inspiring when the students in the class saw that other students were doing it and they could do it then it started happening more. You know, the next year we had, you know, 98% pass. And so it just, you know, the the reputation of the class changed for something that people were embarrassed about, something that was um, fun and engaging. And um, just the kids knowing that other kids could succeed, having that confidence really changed it. It wasn't, I don't think it was just the reading materials. And for a long time, I felt like a, like a fraud because I'm like, this, I'm not really doing anything that's really specialized. It's just, you know, being engaged. Well, and, and, and I got I to gotta understand you there. You said you felt like a fraud for a while because I, I don't follow you there. We're just, you know, reading and talking about what we're reading. We're just taking a practice test and talking about it. But having the community and building the relationship with the students where they felt happy to be there and they felt safe and they were encouraged really breeds success. So it's not even the instruction was super specialized or, you know, anything that anything different than what I was doing before. It was just the community building and the engagement that changed it. Well, uh, Amanda, I think you certainly deserve some credit because it does sound like you guys got great results. And, and if I understand right, you guys even renamed the course or, or you renamed it to Critical Thinking and Reading for College Readiness. Is that right? Yes, we did. And was that like midway along the way? You're like, oh, we got we to gotta change this or was that pretty early on? It was. And I mean, uh, teachers who are, who are listening to this, who are reading teachers, they've probably had a similar experience where if, if it's the name like Read 180, 
and students know that that means they're in a remedial class. Right. So they would make self-deprecating comments. They would tease one another. They would open the door to the class. So student I had first period, sixth period walks and opens the door and yells, read 180, you know. Right, like it's so, a joke. Yes. So anytime you have a class, it's a remedial class, and it's given a name that everyone knows, it's just a bad, it's a label. It's a negative label. And the students don't need that. Well, it sounds like you did amazing work, and we really appreciate you taking the time to tell us the story. Um, if somebody wants to keep up with you or, or what you're doing, I mean, do you do you like blog about this or anything, or, or you're on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I, I'm not always active. That's so embarrassing. That I'm actually I'm so busy usually lesson planning and pulling stuff for us to read that it's I don't have time to to curate a lot online. And this article, I will say, um, I guess was published originally in uh, English Journal. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Are you ready for our pop quiz? Sure. Yes. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Hmm. English literature. (laughs) What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? Life management. What does every child deserve? Love. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? I would say salary and class size. How how large are your classes? Um, The reading classes are now pretty small. They, They have been 30 before um but there's a a point where i've said you know i'm not gonna do this if they're that big right i just can't do what i'm doing and again thanks to my administration who's pretty supportive they're like okay (laughs) we want you to stay in there we want everyone to be successful so we can make them smaller right now my english classes are 29 30 what's the best gift to give an educator Ooh, hmm that's a good one Dark chocolate or coffee? (laughs) Um, Which teacher changed your life? Miss Cole, my uh, 11th and 12th grade AP English teacher. She, she, I think about her now. I mean, she seemed like she was 100 years old. But she, um, she gave us, we wrote all the time in there. And not only did we write essays, but she would give them back within two days. And I, I don't even know how she did that. Now as a teacher, I look back. and uh, But that's, that's where I learned to write. That's where I learned to love writing and to love literature. And she even she did the assignments with us. She would share an essay that she wrote on the same thing, which was great. That is really cool. You don't hear a lot of that. No, no. She said, okay, so here's the essay I did on this. And let me read it to you. And we'll talk about it. And it's not as good as some of the ones... You guys probably wrote, but here it is. So she was just doing it with us. She was was awesome. And last question, pen or pencil? Pen. All right, Amanda Lacey, we appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Thank you. Keep up the great work. 
That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter. Just search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ortigo, and I'll talk with you next week. Class Dismissed!